Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first ever Brodo Monday recap show. Actually, Tuesday now. We're recording this on Monday. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, here with the only twin who is bringing you all of the Monday action, Michael Petropolis. You. What's good, Mike? Chilling, killing. I wanted to start the show by making fun of Booger McFarland. Well, why? Because we're, we're, we're just, so we're watching, we're doing this show as Monday Night Football is going on. Yes. So, by the way, just before you make fun of Booger McFarland, let me just plug a few things now that you said it. Um, if you want to catch us talking about the Monday Night Games and also our Waiver Wire show, which is hugely important, I would say the Waiver Wire is where we have the most success um, in terms of winning championships and things like that. Please sign up for our Patreon, patreon.com slash Fantasy. Also, a reminder that today's episode is brought to you by Red Cup News. Red Cup is your number one source for college sports and all co- things college. Follow them on Instagram. They got a huge following on Instagram at Red Cup. And uh, also by Thrive Fantasy. Use our promo code BRODO to get a free $10 when you deposit $10. Thrive Fantasy is a brand new daily fantasy site where basically you are betting on props yep. so one of the props that jason hit on in his in his five is over over 82 and a half all-purpose yards for christian mccaffrey so things like that they want to give you money they're a new site uh go get money from them and go use free money to do it again if you use the promo code brodo you get an extra ten dollars on top of the ten dollars that you put in uh so yeah Go ahead and do that. And, and on, boom. on Wednesday, we're doing our first installment of the Thrive Five, where we are going to give you our picks for our five favorite plays. So go check that out. Go win some free money, huh? Um, that's what we try to do here. So the Booger McFarland thing. All right. So before... We, all right. All right. Go ahead. Taysom Hill was in that QB. Okay. And he goes, you could really tell what they're going to do with Taysom Hill when he comes into the game. When he's at QB, they're probably going to run. When he's at tight end, he's either going to run a route or block. <laughs> Oh, booger. You don't say. When he's at tight end, he's going to run her out or block. What's he going to do when he's at tight end besides run her out or block? Double reverse pass. Like, dude, you come on. <laughs> right when he said that, I was like, what? All right, so we got uh, we got a few things to you. Now, usually we go over every single fantasy viable player. And in the sake of not being redundant, in the sake of not being um, the same all the time, we actually have some categories that we're going to hit you with. Um, the first is going to be headlines of the weekend where we're basically going to go through Roto World and, and give, us, give you our opinions on the biggest injuries and things like that. Uh, the next segment, we saw that coming, things that we predicted correctly, um, to, we told you to do, and that came true, or basically things that we saw coming. Surprise, surprise, things that we absolutely didn't see coming because we're not Nostradamus, and this is fantasy football. Stock rising, we're each going to pick three players where stocks are rising. So just like in the stocks, it doesn't necessarily mean we're quitting on the player, just that maybe it's this is the time now to buy them or if you have them their stock is going way up and then stock falling again not the time to quit on the guy but yeah definitely time to maybe sell high i mean sell low on the guy michael i'm ready bro are you ready for this are you sure you're ready Ready, dude ready ready for this are you ready all right so let's get into our first uh segment the headlines those stories and more in just two minutes stay with us thanks for joining us this half hour i'm don harrison around the world in 30 minutes this is headline news. 
Thanks, Don Harrison. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yo, guys, just so you guys know, I, oh, I, I made those drops like right before the show. We're, we're, we've got and drops now. We, we, you know, we're, we're picking up our technology game. And Shout I have out no to idea what's coming. Shout out to the patrons who are allowing us to take these steps forward in our game. And so Michael has no idea what's coming. Yeah, so, Timmy, Timmy's like, I'll do the drops. Yeah. You just be prepared. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Michael, speaking of prepared, let's talk about our first headline of the weekend. Uh, Darius Geis. Let's, let's start with him because poor guy can't catch a break. He has a disappointing game, and then it comes out that he's going to miss a few weeks with a meniscus injury. Um, AP was a healthy scratch in the first game. What does this mean for AP going forward, and what does this mean for Geis owners? You know, it sucks for Geis because he's, like, an exciting young player who's great with the community and all that. But, like, we, we were avoiding Geis all offseason. And it's I'm not taking a victory lap based off an injury. That's, like, the worst thing you could do. And it looked good for him. Like, he was the starter. AP was a healthy scratch, so it was ready to go. Geis and Chris Thompson only as the two running backs on the team. And then he goes and hurts his other knee. The non medically fixed knee. And it's just, it's not good for Darius guys. I would, he probably may end up even able to be dropped. Like, if you're going to have to stash him in a shallow league, it might not even be worth it with the team he's on and how long it's going to get for him to. Well, you don't know the timeline of the return, but how much he's going to play once he returns. He has to get back into football shape again. AP is probably going to be like an RB3, RB4 guy in deeper leagues, but. He should be added just because he will be the early down back again. A lot of injury news in this first week. Tevin Coleman, another running back that people were high on. He has a the dreaded high ankle sprain. Yeah, the, not good. the dreaded high ankle sprain. They're saying two to six weeks, but with high ankle sprains, it can be two to weeks. It could be the rest of the season. That's rough for Tevin it, Coleman. Yeah, it's really rough. Um, this moves Matt Breida into that number one A, and you got you were talking about Matt Breida, the robot. Gets injured, leaves the game, comes back into the game. It seems like that's what Every happens. Week, with yeah. <laughs> that's, it, it was like that last year. It was like that again in week one. Yeah. Um, do you think Raheem Mostert is a speculative ad? Yeah, I'm picking up Raheem Mostert because even when Tevin Cullen went down, the 49ers showed that, guess what? We still use two backs. We're not going to be that one bell cow back team. Raheem Mostert got about a third of the work. And he looked pretty good doing it. He did the same thing last season when there were injuries. So he's not going to... Like, I'm not picking him up, putting him in my starting lineup and going, yes, I have Raheem Mostert. I'm doing that with Matt Breida. I'm saying, yes, I have Matt Breida because now he's going to have an even larger role, and we already love Matt Breida. But Mostert is definitely worth an ad because Breida the robot, if he does actually get hurt, then Mostert is, like, the only one back there. And then he's also going to get probably 10 to 15 touches a game, and in the right matchup, that could be useful. Sterling Shepard has been placed in the concussion protocol. Um, I, the only reason I want to say this is because we ha- we don't have him on our list, but I think Evan Ingram, that's someone that we were getting higher and higher on as the, yeah. as it got closer and closer to the season. He had a big game, and he's going to be a target monster in that in that Giants in that Giants system. Yeah, for sure, he's, he's going to be amazing. A bunch of targets. He's getting over 100 targets easily this season. Uh, Joe Mixon has a low grade ankle sprain, so all those people who were Waiting to grab their Giovanni Bernards, you might want to wait on that for a bit. Yeah, but Giovanni Bernard, in my opinion, should be owned everywhere as a handcuff, unless it's like a super shallow league. Because, look, if you have Giovanni Bernard on your bench, you have an RB2 if Mixon goes down. And high-end RB2 every single time he goes down. Because Bernard is effective every single time he's on the field. Baker Mayfield, he fell on his wrist uh, in the in the first half. And he came back out, and his balls just didn't have the same zip on them. Like, you could really tell that they, they were hurting. Uh, x-rays are negative, though, so it doesn't look like he'll miss any time. But 
when a, a quarterback has a right hand injury, that's always cause for concern. Yeah, it could just be one of those like stingers though, where a few hours after it happens, you're feeling it. But if the X-rays are negative and he says he's all good, he has a week to recover and things like that. I don't think it's really gonna uh, cost him too much. So I think we'll be all right. It was just it was a rough second half for the Browns. It was rough all around for the Browns. Even Hillard stole a touchdown from Chubb. Yeah. So every uh, every Brown starter basically disappointed, except Njoku, the one and guy that was that like a garbage were... time touchdown. But yeah. I I like Njoku this season, so it was nice to see him catch a touchdown too. The big injury, the one that everyone's gonna be talking, the one that everyone's been talking about, Nick Foles of the Jaguars. He has an injury history of being injured, and when I was on the Veterans Minimum podcast, I was doing the NFL preview, and I mentioned that I don't believe in the Jaguars because Nick Foles always gets injured and their backup is a guy you've never heard of. And then I told all the guys a made-up name. They were like, oh, yeah. And then I said, well, that's not really his name. His name's Gardner Minshew. That's how you know you don't know who he is. Minshew played admirably. He did. He He, was a beast. Yeah, he was like 15 for his first 15. Not literally like a beast because there were some simple throws, but he was making throws downfield too. He threw a touchdown. 22 of 25 for 275. Yeah, man. As a sixth-round rookie, first game ever, forced into action by injury. It's impressive. All right, so, I mean, that's a nice story. but They They did trade for Josh Dobbs. Yeah, they trade for Josh Dobbs. Look, we were like Josh Dobbs is great or something. We were all high on D.D. Westbrook coming in. Um, We weren't as high as the consensus for Leonard Fournette. Um, What does this do to your Jacksonville Jaguar stock? Fournette, I don't really think it matters that much. This dude just gonna get the ball a bunch, anyways. I hate that guy. I just I, I hate his game. Yeah, I, I just it. don't really like the Jaguars and Fournette has never really been. He's always been a volume back. He hasn't really been super effective. Unlimited touches. DJ Chark, do 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 do, was someone we liked as a late round flyer. He went off in week one, and that's who that's what sucks the most here with the injury. Same with Chris Conley against his former Chiefs, six receptions, ninety seven yards, and a touchdown. And now go on Twitter and look at the Brodo Twitter and see that someone was saying the Tyreek Hill injury. Someone prominent was saying that the Tyreek Hill injury benefits Chris Conley. And we we're like, wow, cool. And now uh, you can't use Conley or uh, Chark because it's Gardner Minshew or Josh Dobbs as the QB. And yeah, Minshew played well, but it's against the Chiefs defense. The Chiefs defense is never good. It's always Patrick Mahomes in a shootout against themselves, basically. So, I mean... I can't really trust any of the receivers. It also knocks D.D. Westbrook down. He was looking like he could be a wide receiver, too, based on the targets he was getting. Again, Gardner Minshew passing is not good. I think he's going to be more of a low-end wide receiver, three. I do still think he gets the targets, but there's going to be missed balls that Nick Foles would have met him with. All right, so let's go to the second biggest news, Tyreek Hill. He had a weird injury. Tyreek Hill, he got his shoulder injured, and then that kind of collapsed his chest. He had to go to the ER. He had to get an emergency sternum, procedure. Right? His sternum, yeah. No surgery, but they say he'll be out a few weeks. Um, six to eight weeks is was one estimate. Two to three weeks is another estimate. Sammy Watkins in his absence went absolutely apeshit. 198 yards and two, three touchdowns. Um, I think that this definitely gives Kelsey. He was already tight end one. He's going to be tight end one and two combined um sammy Watkins gets a giant bump into a wide receiver one conversation but i don't really see this being like a mccall hardman is going to be fantasy viable type of situation i think the guys who are already in the rotation take a leap up like damian williams probably gets more work in the passing game now Lashawn mccoy becomes a little more 
uh, who had a good game in his first game, becomes a little more usable. I, I, don't count me on the McCall Hardman bandwagon, in my, in my personal opinion. You know, this, this makes me wrong about Sammy Watkins. I didn't want to draft Sammy Watkins at ADP, people who did. I mean, this no, is great for it, them. No, now, it doesn't. But no, it doesn't. Well, this makes this makes you wrong for not owning any Sammy Watkins. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I don't own any Sammy Watkins either. But that's because going in the sixth round, like sixth, seventh yeah. rounds, where he was going, yeah. that was too high when he wasn't when he was on the field with Tyreek Hill. I agree. That's why I wasn't taking him there because he was very volatile as well. But now with Tyreek Hill out, if he's a number one option, as long as he's healthy, he's going to be in wide receiver one territory each week. Facts. And now Travis Kelsey, like you said, it's Miko Hardman and Demarcus Robinson. I think are both worth ads. Just because they're both like athletic freaks. Demarcus Robinson has been in the system for years. So if he's the next man up, he might be uh, helpful as well. I'd add both of them if I had the space. See which one hits. I think they're both going to be volatile options. But I think they're definitely both worth ads. The big news of the weekend. The big... the Man, I got to tell you. news, News broke so quickly on Antonio Brown and his story. That if you go to Brodo com, which is kind of Brodo Wrap Up is kind of our um, first of all, I'm gonna be doing the wrap up there. If you guys don't know, I I do a wrap up where I wrap uh, the the big headlines for the week. And sorry, that's at Brodo Wrap Up on Instagram. Uh, that's kind of like our our play around site. We put some highlights up there. Uh, we you know we have some fun, and you know I was I was recording a video for that. And I was in the middle of saying how the Raiders should just release Antonio Brown because it's not right that they take away all his guarantees and still expect him to play. And in the middle of that, I got the thing that said Antonio Brown released. And I was like, oh, shit. And you could see my live reaction. So go check that out if you have a chance. But what do you make of this whole situation, man? Because I'm not going to lie, it kind of pisses me off. Like Antonio Brown, he acts like a complete diva. The dude's 31 years old. And... If everything goes according to plan, he got ten million guaranteed this year, and if he if his uh, what do you call his option gets picked up, that's twenty million guaranteed. That's his thirty million guaranteed instead of over four years in two. So he ends up winning. He goes to the team that he wanted to go to in the beginning, the Steelers' rivals, who just completely manhandled the Steelers yesterday, the Patriots, and the Patriots just get yo. Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman? What? Remember when we were telling you in the summer to avoid drafting Tom Brady? Well, that's before he had these three guys on the field. Now Tom Brady's a QB1 for sure. That's when we thought he was going to have Julian Edelman and Jacoby Myers and Matt Lacoste. Yeah, exactly. And not for nothing, and just just so you guys know, again, we're doing the waiver wire show tomorrow for... On Brodo for only the patrons again, Brodo.com slash I mean sorry, Patreon.com slash Brodo Fantasy. Or you can go to BrodoFantasy.com and click one of the links. Yep. For as little as five dollars a month, you get an extra episode. You get uh you get into our Discord, you get to play in leagues with us, uh, you get to ask us personal fantasy stuff, send us your lineups, things like that. Um, there's a whole bunch of extras that you can get on there. But with that being said, I'll give you a little hint right now. Tom Brady's my number one QB pickup. If Easily. You're, if you're looking for QBs, why not? Yes. I mean, that offense. They, He's locked in now. They they made the Steelers look like they were like like the Dolphins. And that's without Antonio Brown. Yeah, and now they got Antonio Brown coming. But yeah, back to the Antonio Brown situation. Honestly, I try to stay out of things like this when people are always talking about these players. Like, just let them do whatever they want. Honestly, it's just like a bad example for children, in my opinion. Like, if your 10-year-old son looks up to Antonio Brown, he becomes a baby 
and gets to go to the best team in the league because he was a baby. Like, it's terrible. But that's what happened. And now Antonio Brown's going to win a championship with the Patriots this season. Something just stinks to me, too, man. Like, man, he didn't want to go to the Raiders. And then the Patriots end up getting him. And, the, and, and everyone was making jokes like, oh, like, it's only a matter of time till the Patriots get him. And the Patriots got him. And there's a reason why people make these jokes because the Patriots always get guys like this. And it's just like, there's, there, it, just, it just stinks of something. Like, do, did Drew Rosenhaus know that this was happening beforehand? Was there any... This is a team that is, has cheated in the past. <laughs> I'm not for nothing. They have. So, is it out of the realm of possibilities that they cheated this time? I think they, they could have possibly, like, maybe tampered a little bit. Like, near the end, Rosenhaus was like, look, just get released. There's other suitors, something of that sort. But and people who think that this whole thing was set up is is ridiculous. Like, with the feet and the helmet and everything, all that just to get released by the Raiders. The helmet thing's kind of ridiculous, bro. Well, yeah, but have you met Antonio Brown? Well, not met. Have you seen Antonio Brown? That video that he put up? That was the most ridiculous thing I've ever saw, I've seen. Ever. Like, he produced it himself. I know. That's the worst part. Like, if that was an ESPN thing, I'd be like, yo, this is kind of crazy. If it was on ESPN. Apparently, he got uh, an okay from John Gruden to put out that video, too. So, now there's, they, he can't legally go after him or anything. Either way, it's all... I can't believe... Like, this sounds like a reality TV show. But we are a fan... Look, we are a fantasy show. What's the fantasy ramifications here? Honestly, I think it sucks for everyone. Like, except Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown, we had him as, I had him as, like, my wide receiver 15 with Derek Carr. After all the other stuff, move him down to, like, wide receiver 30. And then now with Tom Brady, I think he's going to move back up to, like, the wide receiver 15 area. I just think there's too many mouths to feed for him to be this elite wide receiver one every week. If that does end up happening, I wouldn't be shocked. But, I mean, I think this moves Julian Edelman down. I think it moves Josh Gordon down, James White down. Because you can't just add Antonio Brown and expect your targets to be the same. I think it does affect um, Josh Gordon on the outside because he's the other outside receiver. Josh Gordon did not seem happy, by the way, when they asked him in the press conference about Antonio Brown. He said he's going to have to come in here and find his way just like everyone else. So Josh Gordon, the incumbent number one receiver, (laughs) not too happy about getting replaced at the number one. I don't blame him. If you go back to the in history, and it it was twelve years ago, but if you go back in history, when Randy Moss had his ridiculous season, Wes Welker still had a, over a hundred catches and over twelve hundred yards. So like, there is room for Julian Edelman. I think I, I worry about James White because they both occupy the same part of the field, which is the middle of the field, and I and I worry about Josh Gordon. But besides that, I think that Julian Edelman might get some more space. He might. He runs the same route over and over again. He does just like that little. The little uh, hitch. Cross and yeah. the cross just across the middle. He fakes like, inside and he goes to the outside yeah. every time. It's the same same route that Wes Welker ran. Anyone who is banking on Lacoste or Ben Watson. No. Yeah. Yeah. They they don't over. deserve to really be on rosters, but it's gonna be crazy to watch Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, and Julian Edelman as receiving options. <laughs> Man. Why? Why does this happen to us, bro? I don't know. And then the Jets we're we're Jets fans, as most of you know by now, new listeners are, I guess they'll find out right now. Of course, the Jets gave up a 16 to nothing lead. C.J. Mosley goes down, and the defense just crumbles. That's how it goes, right? Uh, oh, so we're done with the headlines. Man, the, these headlines were, were atrocious because of that Antonio Brown news. All right, let's get into our first category. We saw that coming. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we get into the next part, I just wanted to know, we, we're, as we told you, we're recording this during the Monday Night Football game. Drew Brees to Taysom Hill for a touchdown. Yep. 
Yo, before we get started, just like Booger McFarlane said, if he lines up as a tight end, he's probably running her out. But before we get started with everything else, is Taysom Hill someone we ever consider owning? Because honestly, dude, like, the dude's a weapon. And if he's used like this this year, and he can get some touchdowns, and he can catch some passes, when do we start considering how many games in a row do you have to see Taysom Hill involved in the offense enough to score a respectable amount of fantasy points before you give him a speculative ad? I'm not. Ever? I mean, this dude had like 250 total yards last season. But you're not counting his passing yards. No, total. Even he only had like yards? seven passing attempts. Mm. I mean, it's fun. The reason you think he's playing a lot is because every time he's in, everyone's like, Taysom Hill! Yeah, he's the best <laughs> player ever. <laughs> he's the best player in football. No, I'm That's never it. picking up Taysom Hill. Because if you pick him up, you have to play him at QB. <laughs> you don't have to. You he's can play only at QB. Oh. Really? I think. Actually, he might have tight ends. I bet you he has tight end eligibility. I mean, QB slash tight ends? You, he used probably a tight end one this season, this week now with the touch with the touchdown. I mean, all you need is a touchdown to be a tight end one every week. <laughs> we're experiencing some technical difficulties with this drop, naturally. But anyway, we're gonna come to you anyway. Uh, we saw that coming. This is the uh, this is the segment where we told you something was gonna happen. So we each have a couple of ones here. Michael, why don't you say what we saw coming for the peeps? My first, we saw that coming. It's from our very own New York Jets and Le'Veon Bell. The oh, Jets ran thing. yes. The <laughs> Jets ran seventy-two offensive snaps last game. Le'Veon Bell was on the field for seventy-two offensive snaps. All the people out there who are saying Le'Veon Bell's not going to see the field as much because that's what Adam Gase does. Ty Montgomery's going to come in. Blah blah. blah. Le'Veon Bell played one hundred percent of the snaps his first game of the season after not playing football last season. So whoever bought into the Le'Veon Bell was already rewarded week one. Against the Bills, where the Jets' offense sucked, Le'Veon Bell put up like 20 half PPR fantasy points. Yeah. He was a very good player. Which is why I was taking him like fifth overall. Mm-hmm. So there and, you go. And he did Le'Veon Bell things, too. He had this fourth and one conversion that only Le'Veon Bell converts. It was fun being able to watch Le'Veon Bell on the Jets. It was fun. Because he, st- he was hit probably three yards behind the line of scrimmage, and he ended up gaining four yards. It was only a gain of one. Yeah. But he ended up... He stiff-armed the guy, he slipped out, and he just made it. Just, it's classic Le'Veon Bell style. It was great. So it was great It was great watching that. Mine was another slippery little back out of the backfield, Austin Eckler. Uh, listen, Michael, Jason, and myself were all telling you to draft Austin, Austin Eckler over and over and over again. And last yesterday was so funny because Austin Eckler scored his first touchdown, and we were watching – with like uh, six people in the room, and everyone jumped up and said yes yeah. because we all owned Austin Eckler because we understood because you were getting him in the ninth round in some drafts, eighth round, and he's a steal. He has a chance to be a RB one. And I, I, listen, that's really, 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 really overreacting, but he has a I chance to be is. that right. Uh, at least an RB two. I feel like his floor without Melvin Gordon is an RB two as long as he stays healthy. Twelve rushes, fifty eight yards, and a touchdown. Six. Catches on seven targets for 96 yards and two touchdowns. Austin Eckler had himself a day, man. So I think w- something that we told you to do is draft Austin Eckler early. We drafted him in the fifth, sixth round. We reached for him in a lot of our leagues, and it really paid off. All I know is that Austin Eckler is going to screw Melvin Gordon over so bad. Because I traded Melvin up. Gordon is not going to come back to like yeah. week 9 or 10, and he's not getting his role back from last season. If Austin Eckler keeps playing like this, 
Melvin Gordon thinks he's that good, that's not the, that's not going to be the case. I traded Austin Eckler in a package that included David John. I mean, uh, Carry on Johnson, in in one of our leagues. Man, to Jason, to Jason. I'm really sick of. It. I'm. I, I was <laughs> sick to my stomach yesterday because that that did not look good. Uh, we'll t- we'll talk about Carry on a little. So bit. now Melvin Gordon's going to come back like week nine, week ten, whenever he comes back, whenever he finally realizes I should go play football. He's going to split work with Austin Eckler at best, in my opinion, if Austin Eckler keeps playing like this. And then once he becomes a free agent, no one's going to want to pay him as much money as he's asking for. It, the writing was on the wall that this is a bad holdout by Melvin Gordon Crazy. from the very beginning. Like, uh, uh, honestly, Austin Eckler is a better running back than Melvin Gordon. Ah, uh, He is. Come on. All Every single metric you look at, Austin Eckler is higher than Melvin Gordon. No, stop yourself. Melvin stop. Gordon had stop. four yards per carry last season for stop. the first time in his career. Come on, bro. What? Come on. Come I've on. never been a Melvin Gordon fan. Uh, Eckler's a little too small. I just like him because of a volume based. He's a good running back. Let's let's not let's not shit on the guy who left. Just because just to shit on him. I've always shit on Melvin Gordon. <laughs> I just like <laughs> him because true. he got a ridiculous amount of work. I don't actually like him as a player. That's true. But I mean, look, he's not the best running back in the world, but he he deserves he deserves your respect. All right? Yeah, fuck off. You muck. <laughs> uh what what's next? Second, we saw that coming. Panthers' passing offense looked bad. Cam Newton is, what, 30 years old now, I believe? I didn't look up his age, but he's getting up there in age. And he was already a bad passer throughout his career, accuracy-wise. He has a cannon, but he had a lot of games where he struggled to hit receivers. And then, after all these shoulder injuries, he decides he's going to try a new throwing motion. And in the game against the Rams, which is supposed to be an offensive shootout, Christian McCaffrey was the entire offense again. Great for Christian McCaffrey owners. I was kind of off Christian McCaffrey as one of the top four backs. I preferred Kamara, Zeke, or Barkley because he didn't. He wasn't as effective in the beginning of the year last season when Cam was fully healthy. But it looks like it's a CMC show again this year. And this is exactly why. I don't know about you, Tim. I'm blanking, but me and Jason were not drafting DJ Moore or Curtis Samuel at ADP. I I drafted Curtis Samuel in one league, and I regretted it immediately. But it was in the eighth round. I felt like I was getting value. Yeah, but like. Me and Jason in an auction league got Curtis Samuel for $2 like three months ago when he was still like a 15th round pick. Yeah. And DJ Moore, when he was like a 7th round pick, was okay value. But DJ Moore shot up to 4th, early 5th, and Curtis Samuel shot up to like 6th, 7th. And drafting those players at that price made no sense at all. Yeah. I mean, I I was definitely off DJ Moore. DJ Moore did get 10 targets, 7 for 76. That's the thing, though. If you get 10 targets... If you get 10 targets and you get 7 for 76, it's disappointing. Yeah, against the Rams where they trailed, were passing a lot, and put up 27 points. And I went back to on Game Pass and I watched uh, all of Curtis Samuel's targets. He could have had a long bomb for a touchdown that Cam Newton literally overthrew him by 5, 6 yards. So, I mean, honestly, those guys' fantasy value is all going to be based on Cam Newton. But CMC, yeah. <laughs> the CMC show is real. Yeah. Um, mine is Derrick Henry's a bad, bad man. When you get him in space. And people continue to treat Derrick Henry as if he's his big bruising back. He's not. He's a speed back. He's caught in a big bruising back's body. And you saw that when he got the screen that he took 70 yards to the house yesterday. Um, he's outran everyone. He outran everyone. It doesn't look like he, it looks like he's running in slow motion, but that's because his strides are so big. And he just outrun ran the entire defense. And I think the Titans are going to put him in situations to get him in space this year, and that's why I really like Derrick Henry, and I think he was a steal at his ADP in the fifth round this year because, look, if you get the dude in space, 
and he can make plays and he can break tackles. So I think that the you saw the Titans put up big numbers. You saw him also. Derrick Henry's bigger than everyone else. So there used to be a time when running backs would run, 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 and they wouldn't have their big run until the third, fourth quarter. And I think that he's that type of back where he could bruise a little bit because he's so much bigger and so much stronger than everyone else that he can bruise and bruise, and then you get him out in the space and no one wants to tackle him in the open field, and he breaks one off. So I don't think this is the first or this is not the last time you're going to see Derrick Henry coming up to that. Do you have anyone else on this one, Michael? That's it. All right, so let's get into our next one. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> so this is prize. Dexter. <laughs> the surprise uh, of the of the week, which we did not see coming at all whatsoever. This is one thing where, you know, we're not perfect. And I just want to remind everyone here, because um, I don't like admitting my mistakes. But here we are. We're gonna. We're gonna. I'm gonna admit my mistakes. Mistakes on a weekly basis. So uh, let's Any see. Any fancy that. analyst who says they're never wrong is always wrong. Is wrong about that. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yes. He's wrong 100 percent of the time. 60 percent of the time. <laughs> we're in the business of basically the stock market um, for football, right? We're in the business of making predictions based on past events, and sometimes you can't make predictions based on pa- based on past events because the present and the future are always unfolding. So. We try to make the best educated decisions we can, but sometimes it just doesn't go our way. Michael, what's one way that you uh, were surprised, motherfucker? One way that I was surprised? One player that surprised you? Sure, me. one player that surprised you. Rex Burkhead. Yo, dude, as a Sony Michelle owner, fuck Rex Burkhead. I mean, I'll get into Sony Michelle later, so I don't want to get into it too much, right. but... You'll you'll find that later. Man, I'll man, I'll I, hold, read, I'll I read hold, your article, right, Michael? I'll hold my tongue. I read your mar- I read it and I edited it, so I read it like three <laughs> times. All right, Michael. Rex Burkhead, though, thirty-two of seventy snaps, which is one less than James White, nine more than Sony Michelle. I'll get into that more later again. Eight rushes and eight targets, and this has been the thing for Rex Burkhead in the past. It's not that when he was fancy relevant, he was playing all the snaps. He wasn't. He was playing less than fifty percent of the snaps in those games. But he was getting the ball a ton when he was on the field. And the same thing happened. He looked great. On 32 snaps, he got 16 touches. 50% of the times he was on the field, he got the ball, either rushing or targeting. And he was lining up in the slot, outside, in the backfield. And like you said, he looked pretty damn solid. And that is a potent offense. So if Rex Burkhead ends up becoming this 1A, 1B, 1C, and being the A or B compared to the C... He could end up being useful, especially in PPR formats. That Rex Burkhead's usage was a big surprise to me, especially because Damian Harris was a in, was a healthy scratch. It kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, uh, this is something that you can never tell with the Patriots because they never give anything away in the preseason, and that kind of leads me into my surprise. Offenses that didn't play starters in the preseason all came out flat and looking fucking terrible. Um, I it, it was. Someone coined the phrase, I, I, I don't remember who, but preseason week five. And it looked like preseason week five for a lot of teams, particularly three teams that have young head coaches that think they're changing the game and think they're always right, kind of. And it ended up being very wrong. The Bears and Packers on Thursday night, both of those offenses looked completely that was a rough awful. Game to watch. Awful. Awful. And it's. It's a situation where, as a fantasy player, now I'm not look. I'm not saying the coaches should take fantasy into consideration. Although, considering how much fantasy drives the NFL business, maybe they should. But you got a guy like David Montgomery, who everyone's high on. He could do everything, right? 
and then Mike Davis comes out and gets almost as many touches. The the team, even though it's a close, low-scoring game, only runs the ball, what, 13 times? 27% of the, the rushes went to Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. Six touches for David Montgomery. That's I mean, that's that's horrible. And Anthony Miller, you don't know how healthy he is because he didn't play. Uh, and he, he, he ended like up one not catch. playing. He hardly played. Aaron Rodgers even looked rusty. And then you go over again to the Browns. The Browns did not play their starters. Baker Mayfield hadn't thrown a pass to OBJ. And you just expect them to come on the field and have this chemistry because that's how they have in practice when they're playing against a defense they're really familiar with. That's not how this works. And I know that the preseason you can get injured, and I know that. But preseason also has worth, and preseason also has a reason. And I really do think that you're seeing what happens when it looks like preseason week five. So going forward, because this is kind of the first time this happened. This is the first time that no one played in the preseason. Going forward, I would say, hey, everyone pay attention to these offenses that don't play anyone in the preseason and expect a week, week a very weak week one. And I think we learned our lesson this year. So keep that in mind going into next year because it'll probably play dividends. Yeah. those Almost all those teams had a rough start to the season. And – some of it was bad play calling. Some of it was just bad performing. Like, the Bears the most will surprise me the most, the fact that they hardly ran the ball. Yes. Like, what are you doing? They're a run first team. It was team. a close game, and you know Mitch Trubisky thrives when the running game is working because then he could play off the run. Right, because he's best in play action. He's best in misdirection. So that, that kind of blew my mind. Right. You gotta, you gotta, you can't just put Mitch Trubisky in the pocket and expect him to be a pocket passer. All of a sudden, he's never been that. Yeah. All right, Michael. My last surprise, surprise, T.J. Hawkinson, the explosion. I'm going to, I'm going to be talking about T.J. Hawkinson a little bit later. Sir. Nine targets, six receptions, 131 yards, and a touchdown for Hawk. Looks well, like he might be breaking that don't draft a rookie tight end mold. Well, listen, we He's, mentioned that only, it's a good start. only 30 tight ends in history, rookie tight ends, have ever gone over 500 yards. T.J. Hawkinson already has 120. 131. So he, He's on pace to be the 31st. Yeah, and it's... It's a uh, Michael Salfino of the Athletic was saying that there's no model. He was he's he was saying that yes, rookie tight ends usually suck, but there's no model for rookie tight ends drafted in the top ten picks because that doesn't happen often, which does make a lot more, which does make sense. So if anyone's gonna do it, it's C.J. Hawkinson, and this was a very promising start for those who took the chance on T.J. Hawkinson. Let's let's put into perspective but though. It is week one. Last is, year, Will Disley had 100 yards and a touchdown in week one. It's week one. It's against the Cardinals. Who were really bad against the tight end last year. Yeah. Um but not, not a great linebacker core. But if you drafted TJ Hawkinson, you're pretty excited about the week one performance. You're probably you're probably <laughs> running around with your dick out right now. Yeah. About Walt so that's, told you not that's to. what surprised me because that was Yahtzee. All right, so that's it for the surprises. Let's go to our next one. This is the players we're talking about. Their stocks are rising. Their stocks are going up. People who we think are on the rise. Something just came across my desk, John. It is perhaps the best thing I've seen in the last six months. Now, right now, John, the stock trades over the counter at 10 cents a share. And by the way, John, our analysts indicate it could go a heck of a lot higher than that. We are looking at a grand slam home run. Leo. Surprise, <laughs> <That's> motherfucker. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah, Leo. <laughs> Leo, you're right. We are looking at a Grand Slam home run, and the oh, guy that, that we're great. looking at a Grand Slam home run with is Sammy Watkins. He's my Man, first that, guy. That makes me want to watch Wolf of Wall Street again. Yo, Wolf of Wall Street, great movie. Uh, Sammy Watkins is my guy. Nine. I'm of- not leaving. 
<laughs> nine of 11 targets, 198 yards, and three touchdowns. You know what's funny? Jason is coming back from law school this win- f- this uh, weekend to play football with us, and I feel like he's like the wolf. Like, I'm not leaving. Um, so uh, we talked about this already, and, and I want to talk a little bit about – we already talked about Sammy Watkins, the football player. I want to talk about Sammy Watkins, the person, because there's a lot of reports that Sammy Watkins – uh, was really like getting mentally down on himself. There was a report. There was a time where he said that he he doesn't think he's a human. He thinks he's a reptile. Did you see that on Twitter? <laughs> that like I he, did not. He see. thinks he's a reptile person. That's one thing. But he was really really down on himself. His mental state wasn't right, and he he really like dedicated himself to his body and his health being the number one priority in his life. And Andy Reid said he he came into camp as a different guy. Um, his teammates talking about him being a different guy, and it showed. Sammy Watkins in the when he when he took that slant play up the seam for the touchdown in the first in the first quarter, he ran 22 miles an hour, I believe. Uh, that don't quote me on the exact number, but quote me on this. That was the number one fastest timed run, even dating back to last year. So Sammy Watkins blew everyone out of the water in terms of speed. And this is the guy that they drafted over Odell Beckham originally. Like, this is the guy coming out of Clemson that everyone was like, he's a sure Not they, fire. the Bills. The Bills, right. The, they was a little confusing. Sorry, <laughs> the Bills. He was a surefire number one. This is the guy who, even though he had injury history with the Bills, the Chiefs gave him the giant contract to be the number two receiver. Like, this is the guy. And now we're seeing it a little bit. And I don't want to get too hyped off of one preseason game. But when you're talking about an offense like that and you're talking about a guy like that and you're talking about a coach like that who could put who could put people in positions to succeed, there's no reason why I don't – as long as Tyreek Hill is out, there's no reason to think that Sammy Watkins won't be a wide receiver one. Yeah, I agree. His, if anyone's stock has risen the most, it might be Sammy Watkins after that first game. Yeah, for sure. Because he was a boomer bust wide receiver three. Now Tyreek Hill is out too, and now he's – a boom wide receiver one probably like I'm probably gonna rank him in my top 12 next week for and week two you wouldn't be crazy no I mean Tyreek Hill is out right yeah and he looked like a monster week one Sam I'm Marcus. doing rankings now too so I, I might have to rank him in there Ooh. yeah right Ooh. you know the, your boy left VM so I got I got some time on my hands all Brodo B-R-O-T-O all Brodo all Brodo all the time Michael yeah, who's your no. my, you know whose stock is up Brodo's Michael hey what player stock is up Devin Singletary. Yeah, yeah. This is sure. someone we were telling you to draft often throughout the offseason when he was like a 14th, 15th ADP. Slowly but surely he crept up. We told you to keep drafting him. And then LaShawn McCoy got traded. His ADP jumped to like the seventh round. That was a little tough to draft him there. But no, he didn't have a crazy monster first game. But hot damn, did it look good against the Jets defense. That forced four Josh Allen turnovers. So they were playing good before Mosey got hurt. But most of Singletary's work came prior to that anyways while Mosey was on the field. Only four carries, but turned it into 70 yards. Four carries and 70 yards is a great start to a career. And shockingly, but awesomely, saw six targets. Five receptions, 28 yards. Something he did not do in college. Well, not that he didn't do it in college, but something he didn't have a history of. Uh, junior, freshman, and uh, no, jun- excuse me, sophomore and junior year, he caught some passes. His senior year, Tim, he caught six balls. That's the same exact amount of balls. That's he the same amount one? of targets he had yesterday. <laughs> he caught five. Oh, there you go. Sorry. So you didn't. I didn't expect him to have this big of a passing roll off the bat, but it's glorious to see because Frank Gore looked terrible. He just looked old. Like he did not run the ball good, and T.J. Eldon didn't even see a snap. Yeah. 
So this looks like even by next week it could be Devin Singletary's backfield. That's the that's the most uh, eye opening and like whoever has Devin Singletary, I have Devin Singletary in a few leagues and I'm I'm praying to the Lord, thank God because I have Jordan Howard and I thought that Jordan Howard was going to get a lot of work in the beginning of the year, but then again I'm not giving up a Jordan Howard yet because it was a it was a game where the Eagles had to had to come back. But you're right, Devin Singletary looked really good. And he, yeah, was, he didn't up. even get his first touch until the middle of the third quarter. So it's... I don't know about that. It's, it's facts. Wow. It's well. facts. He he came in and he did his work. And he, he brought that team. Again, like the Jets defense definitely looked different when C.J. Mosley went out. But, hey, I'm starting him next week. That's for sure. Interesting. Over Jordan Howard. Over Jordan Howard, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who's your next surprise? Uh, my next surprise. Look, oh, let let me just do a real quick surprise. I mean, someone. I mean, a stock up. Someone who's not uh, on my list, but who just scored. Whenever Traquan Smith is at home, start this man. He just scored a touchdown for the Saints. <laughs> as we're watching right so now, throw value. Yeah, but I got another speedy wide receiver. John Ross is my stock up, and I gotta stock tell up. you, I went back because I couldn't believe it. I'm like 12, 12 targets, huh? This must be a mistake. And I went back on the game pass and I watched the John. He was part of the game plan for real, for real. Yeah. Like they drew up plays for him. He ran he ran crisp routes, crisp out routes. He they didn't just throw the ball up to him and they got lucky. All right. One time, one they, time did. they did. One time they did. <laughs> that was a very bad defensive play. Yes, but whoever that's I'm blanking on who the safety was, but man. How but, do you miss time a jump that badly? Like he started behind the ball, ran past the ball, missed time to jump. That's, like it was very bad defense. But also a good catch, and yes. also he had 158 yards and two receiving touchdowns. So yeah, it was pretty shocking. If you take away one at one in 60 yards, he's still 90 and a touchdown, which is great for John Ross. Here's the thing: Zach Taylor loves to get the ball out quick, and I think that you saw that in in, in Andy Dalton yesterday. Bang, 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 bang. Andy Dalton does not was not doing that in the Marvin Lewis offense, and this is something that is a staple of these young guys like Zach Taylor. Um, 12 targets. Obviously, clearly part of the game plan. Ran three or four designed screens just to him to get him out in open space. As long as A.J. Green is out, I think John Ross is a guy that you should be picking up on your waiver wires. It was very interesting to see. Yeah. Because like you said, they were they were drawing it up for John Ross to get the ball, which yeah. was not even something that was being shown in the preseason. No. Like, this kind of just came out of nowhere. They were talking about the undrafted rookie getting starts. Yeah, and then Zach Taylor's offense looked pretty damn good for Andy Dalton. Against a pretty good, I know. The, I mean, the secondary is not the best, but a pretty good Seattle defense. Yeah, I mean, they they at least have a good pass rush with Jadavion Clowney there now. And Frank Clark. Yeah. So it was, and even Tyler Boyd looked good too. He had yeah. eleven targets and a bunch of receptions. He didn't find the end zone like John Ross did, but yeah, he will John Ross looks like he might. If he has another game where he sees like eight plus targets. He could be very useful while AJ Green is out, believe it or not, because I was not I'm not a John Ross guy at all, but there you go. I mean, what is it? His third year now? Maybe uh Cincinnati is just a place to be for third year receivers. We saw Tyler Boyd <laughs> jump onto the scene as a third year receiver last season, but very interesting. Whenever you take yourself out of a Marvin Jones situation, you put yourself in a younger situation and we saw we saw the situation in Dallas. I don't think we're gonna be talking about any Dallas players, but Kellen Moore's offense looked really good, too. He did. Shout out to Kellen Moore. Yeah. Uh, Michael, who's your next uh, stock up? Dalvin Cook. The Gary Kubiak effect is real. I, I love it. I had him. I, I went against my instincts, and I and I got him in the league because uh, he's always injured. 
and I'm loving it right now. Now look, it's not gonna be bright days like this every single week with I the don't Vikings. Know. Because, look, they, they were up by 14 starting the first quarter. Like, Kirk Cousins threw the ball 10 times. Yeah, 10. And they ran over 30. Like, that's not going to be happening every week. The Vikings aren't going to be leading 14 nothing in the first quarter every week and hold the lead the whole game. Maybe they will. But hot damn, did they use the positive game script in their favor. Yeah. Dalvin Cook got 21 rushes, 111 yards, and two touchdowns. And he caught two balls for nine yards on two targets, which is like, oh, he wasn't even involved in the passing game. But Kirk Cousins threw, 19, threw 10 times. Right. So he got 20% target share. Right. So if he threw 30 <laughs> times, then that's six six targets, which is good for running back. That's amazing. It's very good, yeah. So, I mean, everything's looking up for Dalvin Cook right now. I, was, I wasn't taking the chance on Dalvin Cook in the uh, early second. I thought he was a more mid-to-late second-round guy because of his uh, injury history. But which, is I was, still, which can still rear its ugly head. Yeah, but I was still... Very okay with taking Dalvin Cook there just because of the Gary Kub- Gary Kubiak joining there and the offense that they were going to run. But yeah, whoever drafted Dalvin Cook is a great week one. Yeah, for sure. My last stock rising, and I, I cheated a little bit. I'm going to talk about a bunch of people here. The rookie, pass catchers, and running backs. Well, not not some of them. Look. The rookies. The rookies. Balled out. They balled out, man. These rookies. TJ Hawkinson, who you already talked about. Six for nine, 131 yards in a TD. Devin Singletary, who you already talked about, four rushes, 70 yards, five catches, 28 yards. Let's talk about other guys. Hollywood Brown, who jumped onto the scene, um, four out of five receptions, 147 yards, and two TDs. We're going to talk more about him on the Waiver Wire show uh, on the Patreon exclusive because I have a theory about him. Only saw the field 12 times, 12 snaps for Hollywood Brown. Uh, Terry McLaurin. Uh, five of seven for 125 yards and a touchdown. He looks like he's going to be something to be reckoned with with the Redskins, who are going to be in a lot of negative game, game scripts are going to be throwing the ball deep. DK Metcalf, four for six, 89 yards. A.J. Brown, three for four, 100 yards. Which, by the way, Corey Davis, no yards. Doing Corey Davis things out there. That's rough. Disgusting. Yeah, that's right. Like, legit gross. Dude, Marcus, I tweeted Marcus Mariota is hashtag bad yesterday. Nah. Dude, Marcus Mariota was bad. They won because of their defense. Are you kidding me? They won because of their defense. And they had a 75-yard screen from Derrick Henry for a touchdown. Yo, did those those yards go on Mariota's stat sheet? Yeah. Yes, they did. And that makes it a good (laughs) pass for Marcus Mariota. Look, he could throw eight yards diagonally. Yo, I'm I'm sticking. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Michael, who's your last? Fair enough. Who's your your last? (laughs) Gio Bernard, stock up, because he was someone I was targeting in the double-digit rounds in basically every league. He was going outside of the top 15 rounds I've seen in some drafts, and it kind of blew my mind. They extended him. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a free Two years, they made him like a top 20 paid running back, and they like Gio Bernard, and every time he gets the opportunity, he shows up. And now he looks like he might be able to get an opportunity if Joe Mixon has to miss some time. And even if he doesn't, he should still got some work as a third down back and a spell back. I mean, I, I wouldn't start him when Joe Mixon is out, but he's one of the best handcuffs in the game. Him and Alexander Madison are the two guys I'd want the most as handcuffs. He, he's a good hand, handcuff, and he's also, you know, he has some standalone value. Yeah. I mean, Alexander Madison had like seven rushes. He looked good, too, his first week. Someone in our league, the Dalvin Cook owner, texts me, you willing to trade? I'm like, yeah. He goes, let me get Madison. I'm like, what do you want? I mean, who do you want to give me? He goes, Damien Harris. The healthy scratch New England running back on a team with, like, four running backs that are used for the number one handcuff to to one of the most injury-prone running backs in the league on a run-first offense. I just sent a a deuces emoji. (laughs) 
Alexander Madison. Alexander Madison. The president. I just have to do that every time. All right. And our last one, our stock down. Our last one. Guys, that we're going to end this on a bad note. Stock down. Stock, stock down, down. Stock down. Stock down. The worst day on Wall Street since the crash of 1987. The Dow traders are standing there watching in amazement. I don't blame them. We're now down 43%. Almost everything there completely wiped out. And the NASDAQ, everything and more has been completely wiped out. Let's talk about the speed with which we are watching this market deteriorate. That's right. The Big Short is a tremendous film. Was that from The Big Short? It was not, no. I'm pretty sure it was. No, nah, it was from an uh, interview with Warren Buffett. Ah. Uh. Well, I'm, like I'm out here illegally short. ripping audio. Hopefully they don't catch me. Uh, all right, so let's go to our stock down, guys. Uh, my stock falling. Can I just can I just start with the, my first one? Of course, because this is a guy that I was Sharing all over. Care. I was really all over him, and it really really disappointed me. Is that, it Jordan Howard? Nah, he was oh. in a plus matchup. It's Carryon Johnson, man. C.J. Anderson yep. was way more a part of the game plan than I was really expecting. This is why I stopped targeting Carryon Johnson, which is ADP reached the third. Man, 11 carries to Johnson, 16 C.J. Anderson. That's too much of a split for me. Blows my mind, man. <sighs> Only two catches in the passing game. And when he got the work, he wasn't great. 3.1 yards a carry, uh, 5.3 he averaged last last year. I'm not jumping ship, but I must say that if I had to do it over again, I would not take him in the second round anymore. And, you know, I, I could be I could be overreacting. He could still be the RB1 that I think he was going to be. But, man, I, I think I might be scarred because I traded him in a package for Austin Eckler. But at the same time, like... No, you, you traded... I traded Austin Eckler, Austin Eckler, Eckler and, I got, him, yeah. and I got carry on. So, ugh, I'm just... I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little sick to my stomach. I really want to do a draft one day right after the day after week one just to see where people go there's drafts. there's there's companies that do that where they do drafts after every week just to see like where adps would be yeah it's, it's very interesting, interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. an interesting concept i feel like john ross would go in like the seventh round now yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah so carry on johnson is my stock falling and again if, if a stock falls there's two things you could do with it you could either one you could sell it or two you could buy it low so there's no there's no guarantee that the stock's not coming back up so my first stock falling to him is someone who, if we did a draft today, might even go undrafted. Maybe hold on to him one more week, but it's Dante Pettis. Oh, man, what a... Dude, Dante dude. Pettis played two snaps. That was disappointing, bro. Outsnapped by Debo Samuel, Kendrick Bourne, Marquise Goodwin. You name the receiver, he more than likely outsnapped Yo, Dante Pettis. You look Pettis. at this guy, he looks like he should be a star. He was rough. What's good with him? He did catch a pass on his, I think, one pass. For like five yards in one of his two snaps. But he's clearly outside of the Kyle Shanahan wide receiver circle right now. And unless he, I don't know what he's going to do to get back in there. Maybe they have a bad offensive game and bring in Pettis and he helps Jimmy Garoppolo. But it was super rough. Dante, pet us while we're in the doghouse because that's where he's sitting in that doghouse. If he does that again next week, then he becomes... An automatic drop in most leagues. Another, I'm going to stake with the wide receiver. One guy that we already talked about, Curtis Samuel, only targeted four times. Wasn't using the game plan as much as it looked like he could be. Cam missed him on that possible long TD. And I think that Curtis Samuel was coming into the season as, oh, wow, he's going to be so involved in the offense that you're gonna he's going to be good no matter what. And now, I know it's only week one, but I really think that seeing what I saw, it's, it's fair to assume that Curtis Samuel is either going to be He's going to get hit by the one or two big plays that they attempt to him per game, and he's going to have a great day. And if he doesn't, he's going to end up with a four for 34. A game where Cam passed a good amount, too. 
Right. So, I mean, he didn't have a lot. I mean, Cam did not play well in terms of fantasy stats. <coughs> he did not. So, I think Curtis Samuel is my stock down right now. I just, I can't imagine, I can't imagine Curtis Samuel being my everyday starter like I imagined him just a few weeks ago. Yeah. At least after week one. Right. My stock down, Sony Michelle. As I said, I was going to talk about him earlier. Oh, but here we go. I wrote an article at BrotoFantasy.com for new listeners and listeners of old who don't like to read things. Maybe you should go check it out. Maybe you wouldn't have drafted him. But Is that the, the Irish version check it of out. yourself? <laughs> he, his ADP shot up to like the fourth, fifth round. By, I was in Vegas for the FFPC live drafts, high stakes. Sony Michelle was in the fourth round. Because people like to take chances there. I, he was one of my keepers. I kept him in the third. And every time someone took Sony Michelle in the fourth round, I just wanted to be like, yo, bruh. Let's let me talk to you for a second. I kept him with my three eleven. I'm already regretting it because I thought he should be like a seventh, eighth round pick. And in his first game, in a positive game script, where the crazy, my article tells you that positive game script is where it's good for him. Yeah. This is where he should yeah. shine. If he, dude, he had fit fourteen carries, yeah. right? In what a, in a thirty three to three victory, he had fourteen carries for fifteen yards, oh. no targets, no touchdowns, and Gross. the worst part. Another thing that I discuss in that article is that Sony Michelle has never played more than 50% of the snaps in a game. So he needs to step up his amount on the field as well. And he played 32 of 70 offensive snaps. Again, not not even 50%. Less than James White, less than Rex Burkhead, less than another running back. Or should I say fullback, James Devlin. <sighs> he played nine less snaps than James Devlin. Stop, bro. You're, you're hurting my soul. <laughs> So if you're drafting, if you drafted Sony Michelle in the fourth round, fifth round even, week one was atrocious. That I started him and it was bad. And now with Antonio Brown coming out there, if the if the uh, Patriots want to start passing the ball more again, let Tom Brady do his thing. It looked like they were doing that last week uh, or yesterday against the Steelers. Things are not looking up for Tony Michelle. Of course, he could come out next week, get 12 carries, run for 100 yards and a touchdown. Everything will seem okay. But he's he needs to do work on the touches he gets because he doesn't get that many touches. The Rex Burkhead phenomenon is really the thing that kills me. It's killing yeah. me. Rex Burkhead had eight rushes, was more effective with his rushes, eight targets. He was on the field more. He was. That's so what, it's tough. That's what kills me. Tough to see as a Tony Michelle owner. Yeah, Belichick is going to go play the hot hand. My last guy that we're going to talk about is Todd Gurley and Daryl Henderson. Listen, Todd Gurley had a pretty good game. All right? He was very efficient. 97 yards on 16 carries. One catch for four yards. So he was over 100 yards all purpose. But it's clear how the Rams are planning to use him. And it's pretty clear from the get-go because this is how they use him in the preseason. This is how they looked like they were going to use him in the preseason. They want to save his legs. They don't want to wear him out like they wore him out last year, especially if he has an arthritic knee, right? They don't want to wear him out. Who got the big carries in that game? Todd Gurley did. Down the stretch when they needed a conversion, who would they give the ball to? Todd Gurley. That's how it's going to be. But he's now going to be in a split backfield with Malcolm Brown. Mm-hmm. And Malcolm Brown looked pretty good. Uh He's the clear number two. 11 carries, 53 yards, and two touchdowns. So Malcolm Brown, you can't expect him to have two touchdowns a game. I mean, he does look like he's the goal line back on a very potent offense, though. I think that he's the goal line, situational goal line back. But, I mean, the goal line is where, yeah, maybe if they're down seven in the fourth quarter, they'll let Gurry do, Gurry right, do it. Right, right. But the goal line is the high-impact area where, is, as a running back, you're basically running a, into a defender hoping you could 
fall over him and land in the end zone when you're at the one yard line. We might be seeing a Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram situation brewing in Los Angeles. And because it's not that Todd Gurley won't be able to be owned, but he goes from the number one when he's by himself to the number eight, nine, ten. Like yeah. Kamara did. I mean the the goal line touches were mostly concerning. And they're hundred I was saying all off season that Malcolm Brown was the handcuff to own. I was just gonna say someone like our us now, I was in Europe when this whole thing was happening. When I left for Europe, Daryl Henderson was getting drafted in the seventh round. Yeah. And when I came back, people were still drafting Daryl Henderson, although he did fall to around the ninth round. But you guys were preaching that, that Malcolm Brown is the handcuff. And in the first show that I had before I came here, I said, guys, Malcolm Brown is the backup there. It's not Daryl Henderson. So all the Daryl Henderson guys. It's easy guys, to get lost in the rookie hype for people who are. Would you drop Daryl Henderson? I don't, really, I don't think he needs to be owned. Yeah, like if it's a shallow league, if it's a deep league, hold on to him, sure. But if it's a shallow league, there's not really a reason to hold on to Daryl Henderson at this point. How many teams in the league would you have to do to keep Daryl Henderson? Asking for a friend. I mean, if it's a 12-man league with 16 bench, that's six bench, six bench, and maybe hold on to him for another week, see if anything changes. Mm -hmm. If not, just let him go. If it's more than 12 teams, I'm, I'm probably cutting him this week. Less than 12 teams. No more. Less. Yeah, less. Right, 10. <laughs> if it's like a 10-team league and John Ross is available, I'd much rather take a chance on John Ross and Daryl Henderson. Yeah, if you're if you're on the waiver wire and you need a guy like that, I don't have a problem with dropping Daryl Henderson. Yeah. Um, Malcolm Brown, though, he's... Pick him up. Not owned universally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll save it. We got to save it for the page, the patron pod. Yeah. We'll get that's into it. that. Well, that's, all, that's all we're going to say. Sign up. We're not going to say how much fab we drop on him. Patreon.com slash Fantasy. Michael, do you have any more guys? Uh, yeah, David Montgomery, 28 really? to 73 snaps preliminarily because now it looks like the reason I'm saying David Montgomery is because he shot up to like third, fourth round ADP, sometimes fell to the fifth, and now he's looking like the running back, one of those running backs where you're going to have to wait for him to take over the role, mm-hmm. which is why his stock is down because you're not, you might, he's not going to be usable the next couple of weeks probably unless you're desperate at running back. Like there's going to be better options out there. Mike Davis had five rushes, seven targets, six receptions. Cohen didn't even get a rush. He had 10. He basically played out of the slot. He's basically a slot receiver now. That was nuts. I think that changes, though, when Anthony Miller gets a little healthier. We'll see. But he had 10 targets and eight receptions out of the slot. Montgomery had six rushes and one target. I mean, yeah, they're going to run more. But for now, his stock is down because third, fourth round, he's supposed to be your third or fourth best player. That's just not the case at this point. I also wanted to give a shout out to uh, Tampa Bay pass catchers. All their stocks are down if Jameis Winston can't learn how to throw football. Man, that guy sucks. Yeah. I mean, last season he started awful, and then the second game he went for 400 yards and four touchdowns. So, wouldn't give up hope just yet, but, I mean, it's it's pretty awful first game against the It doesn't 49ers. help that he has no running help at all, at all whatsoever. I know Ronald Jones broke, like, a 15-yard run, and the announcers went apeshit like he was the best player of all time. Ronald Jones d- d- did play better than Barber and Ogunbowale, though, so it looks like he might be the back to own there if you want to own a back there. Um, that's all for our Monday recap show. We'll be doing this every week. It'll probably be me and Michael coming at you because Jason's a busy man at law school. Um, but, of course, every Wednesday we are going to be going over every single fantasy viable player in our preview. Also, check out BrotoFantasy.com for our rankings. Check out BrotoFantasy.com for our podcasts, our videos, and all of that. Also, at BrotoFantasy on Twitter and Instagram. Check out at BrotoWrapUp for the wrap-up, which is going to drop 7 o'clock on 
Tuesday, for those of you who don't know what the wrap-up is, again, I spit bars. You know what I'm saying? I'm out here. I'm from Queens. It's what I do. And I got a brother who's a rapper. Same to check out Brother Wrap-Up for the Waiver Wire. I don't think you... Uh, not the Waiver Wire. The Waiver Wave. I don't think you said that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's on Brother Fantasy, too. I double I double posted it. But you got to give the Instagram love, too. That's that's facts. Brother Fantasy and Brother Wrap-Up on Instagram. Go check us out because we're trying to be like Red Cup. You know, Red Cup, our sponsor, who they have Red Cup this school, Red Cup that school. That's what we're trying to do. We're doing, trying to have Brodo Fantasies all over the place. Thank you again for our patrons. If you want to uh, support the show, patreon.com slash Brodo Fantasy, or you can go to BrodoFantasy.com and click on one of the banners that we have up there. Um, don't forget, Thrive Fantasy is the place to be for your prop bets and your daily fantasy uh Fix, fix your needs. Um, you're not going to get... Do you know what's the best part about it? You're not going to get no bitch asses that put 160 lineups in the same and, and, and they get lucky and they win the milli. Like, yo, these people who claim to be experts and then they put a picture and their entire bar is full of fucking... White dot things. White dot things on every single... Every single place. Like, they're literally in every single place because they put in 160 lineups. How do you not win in 160 lineups? 150 lineups is the max. Whatever. Compliance-wise. Fine. <laughs> so, there you go. Um, go to Thrive Fantasy. Use the promo code BRODO, and you get $10 free if you deposit $10 or more. So, go check that out. Despite that, good guys. We fuck with Thrive Fantasy, guys. We really fuck with them. So, that's it. Mike, where can they find you personally? Mike underscore Patrop. And they can find me at Tim Patrop on all frisky. social media outlets, but only feeling real, real frisky. Don't forget when you're out today, give yourself a yay, yay. We'll be back to you on Wednesday. Or don't. Whatever. <laughs> Peace. Later. <laughs>